Yo, what's up? We did it. It is the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs podcast. And this is the place where we focus on how to find your voice, develop your message, so that you can get consistently paid speaking gigs. I'm talking about the gigs that pay. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Not only are you going to learn how to find your voice, but you're going to hear from professionals in the industry who are making a powerful impact sharing their story and transforming lives. My name is Charles Clark. I'm an international speaker and ex-professional athlete. And sometimes during the show, I'm going to bring in one of my coaches that I have for the Journey to Pay Speaking Gigs program, Amy Kochak. Here's the thing that I believe. I believe that everyone has a story to tell, but not everybody knows how to tell it. And that's why we created this podcast, because I'm passionate about helping the silent speak, even if their voice shakes. And today's guest is going to give you the insight on how to do just that. Jordan Exani is an expert speaker on mental health and leadership. His casual approach, interdisciplinary skills, and vulnerability has made Jordan a sought-after speaker across North America and the Middle East, including hands-on intensives with top firms, including LinkedIn, Rover, TextNow, and many others. Jordan is also the co-founder of Shift Collab, one of Canada's largest therapy and mental health education firms. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. And congratulations on getting this podcast going. This is That's awesome. what I'm talking about, Thank man. you. In the midst of a pandemic, we are we are making things happen, man. And There's no better time to create. That's right? Sure. And no, no better time to be innovative. So, you know, my my hopes is that whoever listening today, you find that something that's going to get you going so that you can start sharing your message, your gift with the world and making an impact. So, but before we get started, let the tribe know just a little bit about how you got on a journey to, to speaking. I never really considered myself a particularly strong speaker all throughout high school, college, university, even early in my professional life. And then I ended up after a sequence of, of random kind of events in the middle of this very bizarre viral internet story that we don't have to go into now, it's totally Googleable. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of that, I was in a very tough spot emotionally. I was just a bit of a wreck. A lot of things in my life had kind of fallen apart in the aftermath of it. And I was invited um, to go to my elementary school and give a talk. Um, and what was weird about that for me is that I had an awful time in elementary school and for most of high school. I was bullied a lot. I moved to the community like in grade two, never really socially integrated and like got beat down on the playground basically every day. It, it was nasty. Mm. Um, and I promised myself I would actually never go back to that school. Wow. Um, and then when this invitation came up, I, like I said, I was in a really bad spot and something just kind of clicked as it does sometimes in those moments where you're like, you know, whatever, what else do I have to lose? Mm. Where I went back and I started to talk about the behind the scenes of what had been going on behind this viral internet story I was in. And these kids, it was a grade seven class uh, and a friend of mine was the teacher. And these kids were just like really in it and, and they really enjoyed it. And it was very therapeutic for me to be able to speak openly about some of these experiences. Yeah. And then from that, I, I, the next day I got, it got word to a, a friend of ours that's a high school teacher. I got invited to my old high school to speak and then I went and did that. And then wow. it just kind of built from there. Um, yeah, one piece at a time. It's kind yeah. of bizarre looking back on it now, but that would be about five years ago. Yeah. Wow, five years ago, all of that happened. And, you know, I, it's crazy that we talked about this in, in our course that your most vulnerable experiences are the thing that you need to speak about, mm -hmm. right? 
so that the thing that you're afraid of is what you actually need to be healed from and help people change their lives with as well. So, so what was that thing? So for me, it was a lot. So, uh, okay. So here's the Coles notes of the viral story. It'll make, it'll make most sense to explain in the context of this. So I, uh, <laughs> I, in late 2014, I got dumped. Um, I was a workaholic nightmare boyfriend. Uh, and I had always tried to do things to, um, to make me seem like a good boyfriend. I think I was trying to do like a lot of superficial things that made me feel okay about being a shitty partner. And um, so one of the things I had done just before we broke up is I had booked us this amazing trip all over the world over the holidays. It was like going to be a six week trip. I cleared the time off uh, with her or her boss rather and stuff. And it looked like it was going to be a cool trip, but then we were broken up. And in the aftermath of that breakup, like this trip that I planned, the plane tickets and everything was like this sign of everything that could have been. Um, and I, so I was just down and out. And then a buddy of mine dared me to try to give it away to someone with the same name uh, by making a stupid Reddit post as a joke. I want to stress that it was a joke, like a yeah. practical joke, because we thought it would just be kind of hilarious to turn this whole thing on its head. <laughs> and I wasn't going to go, but I thought, you know, this thing's paid for or whatever. And that, <laughs> you can't change the name on a plane ticket. Like you might right. as well just try to give it to somebody. And, and you don't want to give her the credit for that. <laughs> no, no, no. It, she had a fairly generic name too. It was Elizabeth Gallagher right like two very kind of like british names yeah so i ended up writing a stupid post on reddit and um didn't think it w- anything would happen of it overnight it ends up on the front page of reddit then it blows up next thing you know it's covered in cnn and msnbc and even, like in the guardian and like all these massive outlets and because it wasn't just an offer it actually followed me through so now all of a sudden it was like well who's he gonna pick what's gonna happen and then before you know it i was signed a big ass agreement with william morris endeavor you guys probably know that massive uh-huh. talent agency Uh, for 360 thing where they sold like the movie rights and like the tv rights and all this shit and this happened within like a week and a half of me making this post wow and then i actually was contractually contractually obligated to go on this stupid trip appear like select someone which was mostly done by producers and the whole thing was fucking awful um i don't know this trip it was the worst experience of my life we had like we had like these like these fucking like reality tv crew with us like in hong kong and stuff wandering around and both of us were like this sucks so much this mess and so we started to like fuck with them where we would like not give them the shots that they needed. Like, cause we were just like, this is weird. We're not attracted to each other, but like the whole world was like, like, are you guys like hooking up? Like, like right. this is going to sound like a lie, but this is 100% true. Ryan Reynolds at that point was attached to play me <laughs> in the movie, which is hilarious objectively. Wow. And he texted me during this trip being like, yo, have you guys made out yet? <laughs> like, how weird. I'm just like, what is going on? Anyway, I digress. So the, thankfully the trip ends. I'm like, oh, that was fucking weird. Can't wait to turn the page on that. But all this entertainment stuff is just getting going. Right. And so I'm obligated to play the part, but I'm falling apart. And to be very serious, and where, where the, the thing is, is like, you know, my ex was fundamentally a very good person. And this bout of fame, like severely fucked up her life. Mm. Um, because she was painted as the nasty ex, the heartbreaker. Mm. And so she was like, she was hounded by media like crazy. She eventually did this inside scoop on Inside Edition. They flew her down to New York um, and promised her she could promote her own business, but then twisted and made her cry on camera. It was just awful. And this stuff is happening to people close to me. So I'm looking at all this being like, okay, so I was this kid that that grew up getting bullied, low self-esteem, low self-worth, always sort of chasing you know, I had like my own ADHD and depression and stuff, whatever. But 
in that time, in the aftermath of this, I was thinking like, man, how screwed up am I if I needed this kind of validation, like on a global viral level, yeah. in order to realize what a monster I've become? Wow. Like that is a freaky realization to know. Because I remember in the midst of that thinking, okay, maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the thing that will lead to my moment, to my purpose, to my whatever, to my future, right? This thing I've And then you sort of get there and you're like, well, right. this is messed up. I'm a monster. Why do I even need this? Oh my God. Right. And it starts just, I started just to sort of come apart there. And things right. got dark. Like, I, like to be very real with you guys and with your tribe, like, I mean, like I had a very precise suicide plan, like, because there was no way of me existing in my life without being that guy either self-defined so by me or other people so this was your your moment that kind of let you to your your rock bottom experience oh yeah rock bottom for sure like wow. at least in my adult life i mean my childhood right. had some pretty yeah. low moments but like but it was like i was suppressing a lot of that stuff for years and then so it, everything was kind of building and then it was rock bottom and that's when I um, honestly, that's when I, I randomly got this invitation to go and do this talk at this school. And then I, at that point, because I felt like I wasn't, I had nothing to prove. I had no energy. I just didn't care anymore. And I was just really frank with these kids in the same way I'm talking to you guys now. Yeah. And they were both like, holy crap, we didn't know like viral stories are like that. I'm like, yeah, like Ellen's going to make you sign a rights agreement if you want to go on her show and she's going to screw you out of like all sorts of control of your story, which happened oh, to me. Yes. Like, I mean, like it, it's, it's, it shot, I was able to kind of like shine this light on like this thing that a lot of people want, but for the reality of what it was. And then I guess use that in a way for my own, trying wow. to make sense of my own head, which was a year, it took me years after that. Like wow. this was just the bottom and starting to figure it out. And it's been in repair ever since. But mm. so yes. So in effect, I, what you guys are saying is exactly right. Like not everyone needs like that dramatic of a vulnerable moment necessarily and i think one of the things that we often do societally is we often compare a lot right yeah it's like yeah. oh well i i've never been to that point of darkness and i so i don't have anything to say it's like no no no. like all of our journeys are independent and personal to us and what something like i experience is going to be different than what you experience or you or you or you and the point is it's like it's not about the events it's about the emotions that are tied to that underneath Right. Like, so what is the thing that like even me being in this at the outcome of this weird viral internet story, like the end emotion of feeling so lonely and like I was broken and like I was a monster. That's a pretty universal thing when you get yeah. into it with most people. Everyone kind of has that experience in their life where they felt that way. Yeah. So I started to look at things that way too. And I just started to use this whole viral thing as a way to like kind of like a magnifying glass to look at myself, if that makes hmm. sense. Jordan, so I find it so interesting that it's like your first your first experience was you going back to like the location that that represented so much pain, right? Mm, yeah. And almost like almost like having like this resolve moment of going back in there and then talking to to kids, right? So I'm wondering how does it go from you just getting a couple invites to schools to figuring out that hey maybe this is maybe there's something to this like yeah, what were the yeah. key steps that took you from like recreational to like this is something i want to do yeah so it was actually kind of a bit of, a bit of luck to be honest like so it, as an outcome of all of this i ended up with a speaking agent i ended up uh, getting signed to speaker spotlight which is a massively wonderful and also a very big uh, speakers bureau in canada um and i was also at the time represented by the william morris endeavor um 
uh, speaking agency too, which was very funny because I was on their website next to Kevin Bacon, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I just thought was ridiculous. Um, anyway, um, so I had sort of this glimpse, but I convinced myself I couldn't do that. So like when this stuff was happening, like when I went and spoke to the school and stuff, I wasn't thinking like, okay, this is going to be a career. Um, but then I, uh, uh, I ended up, I think, just talking to someone over there about these experiences of going to these schools lately. And then I ended up, they set up um, an intro between one of their clients, which was with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, so like our FBI equivalent in mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, sounds way less badass. But, um, <laughs> um, and they were looking to co-create a youth program um, that would be focused on the West Coast um, that would allow kids to talk about mental health and self-esteem in a different way and so we're teed up for this call and i like heavy imposter syndrome like why the hell is this guy talking to me right i'm just some guy that's like in my own shit and i i spoke a couple times big friggin' deal right mm-hmm. um, but then it started to it started to be this thing where i was like oh wait a second maybe there's something here because i started talking it out like this guy was like you know we need to do something different you're a guy that like made stuff go viral on the internet like the kids like viral stuff these days like what can we create and so i pitched this idea he gave me a week and i ended up just writing an email like in the 11th hour um before one week was up saying like look i think i've learned that i've been living a big lie that's the language Mm -hmm. i used and i think it would be amazing if we could go into schools and communities and give kids a way to share anonymously um and what we can do is i have a buddy that's pretty smart with the tech stuff we can build a platform where kids can text in anything that's going on and then it can go through a quick like approval screen and then it can go up on a screen in front of everybody and maybe that will be a way that we can just rip our masks off together and see all the shit that we're facing yeah Uh, i said it probably without the profanity to them and um, (laughs) much to my surprise they emailed back and said i love it and i found myself in front of like 1100 kids like like six weeks later and at the same time too i also had someone else that was really curious about the behind the scenes of this stuff and i ended up doing a tedx talk at tedx toronto which is the second largest ted event in the world yeah um and so like these things start just to kind of happen but what i would say from that is like you know i think i lucked out with like the business accent uh, access of already having an agent but like that shouldn't be that like the point is it's like i know lots of people that have agents that have nothing to say the first thing to worry about is like have something to say that's worthwhile i think that's why i felt so lost so then once this program called what's your big lie started to sort of churn that's when the agency was really helpful being like oh yeah like we can totally see like how this could work and we'll help you with that. Yeah, so it's really about, I don't know if you guys can recognize this, but it's about finding that theme. Like, yeah. what's that theme that you have? Not just sharing a story that you have, you know, because it's cool that, you know, we went viral and all that. That's cool. But yeah. what's the theme behind the story that you have to share? Yeah. And I, I like the, the fact that you, you, your experience has to deal with vanity and truth. A lot of times what we think we what we want, right, is not necessarily what we need. And you yeah. kind of arrive to that moment of totally. that. So like, so here's my question. What is your area of expertise? Yeah, so I've, I, so this is another thing that I think hangs up a lot of people. I, I'm interdisciplinary. So I came out of grad school studying conflict negotiation, and I've applied that to interpersonal conflict for my whole career. I started off in social research, um, and then I ended up getting into a lot of loyalty, uh, loyalty research within the market research field. So understanding why people feel connected to certain things and not to others, nice. in effect. And then, at, and then uh, I was doing similar kinds of work in a different industry when my life exploded with this viral story. And then I was sort of left without a job because I left all of that. 
Mm-hmm. So my expertise was, um, you know, I think the first thing that everyone says is like lived experience, but like for real, like since the beginning of my life, I've kind of been fascinated by two things, like people's search for belonging, because uh, yeah. I never really had any. And secondly, my family, my whole life ran a marketing agency, uh, mm-hmm. like a small little mom and pop shop. And so that always gave me this way of like looking at these complex social issues like mental health through a lens of like, well, what if we could like not talk about it in a clinical way, but use some marketing ideas of like how we could actually package it in a way that's understandable and resonates with more people. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I play at the intersection of marketing and mental health. That's what I always say. Mm. The leadership piece has come about more lately over the last couple of years, um, more so because a lot of the work I do now, especially with executives, is developing, um, developing them within their organizations to speak openly about their journeys with mental health and model behaviors and implement practices that will support their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, where I come in. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting journey to find that. And believe me, there's been a lot of self-deprecation involved. And I would be very honest. Uh, I would be very, it would be very disingenuous for me to say I came by this, at this by myself. Like the fact is my, my fiance um, is my business partner. She's a therapist. I do all of this stuff. We have yeah. a team of over 80 therapists now. And yeah. then we have our facilitation education team of about five people. And we all work together. So like when we're creating What's Your Big Lie in these programs, we're going through it from a clinical perspective. All the touch points, all what happens if this happens, all the escalation policies, we wrote guides and manuals, and then it's been refined year over year. Um, But what I would say is, um, like there's a lot of risk around talking about mental health in a way where you're just sort of throwing it all out there. Um, But it shouldn't be a topic that people are fearful of if you take the right steps and precautions and really look at it from all sides. And so that's what I was able to do. And I think that's a reasonable expectation that audiences have of people are talking about these topics in front of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to lead people down a place where there's irreparable damage or uh, a high risk of triggering, but you also want to be able to show that vulnerable vulnerable piece. And oftentimes those two things have been at odds with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I can't talk about this stuff because I'm not a therapist, right? Who am I to talk about this stuff? Well, who are you not? You're a person with lived experience. All I would say to your audience is like, do some work. If you want to go down that path, team up with an expert, help co-create not just a talk, but a curriculum, a way of Mm -hmm. thinking about these topics. Because it's not only going to be much more effective to package and sell that, but it's also going to give more value to the audience. Transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. just not just the the motivation side of how you got through it, but what's the transformation? How can we do it? it exactly. And yeah, that, that's the layers of of a true story, and, and especially someone who gets paid to to share their message. Yeah, for sure. And and it's interesting because I've seen in the industry so <laughs> fun detour along the way. I, I what's your big lie started going pretty well that I ended up um, buying out a speaking agency that was operating in the U.S. and then hated being a speaking agent uh, while I was delivering my own stuff, even though I had a couple other people working with me, and got rid of it because I hated it so much. But mm-hmm. um, in that process of being responsible ultimately for booking speakers as well, on the other side, mm-hmm. I can tell you that ha- focusing only on story is in the age of where like we all have a story and our story is super important but in the age of being able to share our story across a multitude of platforms anytime any place yeah. trying to sell a speech just as a story isn't enough these days bookers right. are looking for more audiences mm-hmm. high, higher expectations yeah it's not to say everyone needs a fully blown curriculum uh, like either but it needs to be something more
Yeah. What's your, like, what's your process to make sure, okay, I want people to feel, but I want to add value. I don't want it to be too long. I have to yeah. think about audience. So what oh, do you do? Goodness. The odd, the honest truth is I do a lot of it. Like I, I, like I do a talk, like I have like three good talks right now. What's your big lies? One of them. And I have two others that are more corporate focused. And, um, and the other two sort of change out every year basically. But, um, like the honest truth is to get a talk to a place where it's good it probably takes me no joke 20 times of doing it. But wow. what I've learned is that it doesn't have to be 20 paid times, right? So like I, I, for example, I do a lot of webinars for our therapy community, like so for our clients and stuff, because it's great for me to sit in front of a computer and do that. I have two workshops that I'm leading, uh, one keynote and one workshop later today. And mm-hmm. like, so I do this stuff like a lot like the first year when i decided i was going to do this just to give you a sense like after i was like okay what's your big lie there's something here like the agency was helpful in getting more events but i really took it upon myself to light it up and in over the next 12 months um i did 178 events like which is nuts by any stretch right like that's a lot (laughs) but that was literally me hustling so that's what i'm saying like i kind of used it as like a rapid prototyping kind of way of like how can i outline something get the ideas together Beta. but then get comfortable with the idea of it being okay yeah. the first couple of times i do it so that i can learn from the feedback rather yeah. than me trying to arrive at the ultimate conclusion myself it's better to do something messy than doing perfect what would what would you say was uh your biggest success uh starting out five years ago what was one of the biggest successes that you had as a speaker oh man um i think my successes are non-traditional Right. Like, so for example, like later today, I'm doing a session. I don't know if I should say, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a bunch of training for the leaders at Spotify, like, uh-huh. like leaders, leaders, like it's crazy leaders. Like, it's yeah. like, you want to talk about imposter syndrome? I'm like, what the fuck do I know? But yeah. anyway, <laughs> I've done most of them and it's gone really well. And then there's this one more session that I'm doing later today for people in the Asia Pacific region. Mm. Go Asia Pacific, um, <laughs> which is why, right? Like objectively, that's crazy that like, mm-hmm. like one of the top startups in the world has been like, hey, let's hire this guy to like teach our like executives mm. about this stuff. Um, so on paper, I think I would say things like that, like I, some of the high level executive training, but that's kind of the bullshit answer. The real thing to me is like, there have been so many incredibly touching moments in random places that I would never expect to have been at where like, um, with what's your big lie, the program, the amazing thing is like kids aren't just texting from their phones and sharing, but we always have time where students, kids, adults, when we do it with adults, <laughs> old people, when I do it in retirement homes where they can step up and share their story in front of their peers. And mm-hmm. there have been so many moments where I have been just bawling my eyes out, um, mm-hmm. whether it's like, um, like I'll never forget. I was at some school it, somewhere in New Brunswick when I was first starting to do this, um, I think I got paid a hundred bucks to speak at this middle school and the school bully got up and, and apologized to everyone um, for, oh, wow. for causing so much pain to wow. his and, like and crying and letting it all out and explaining. Wow. Why doing it. And wow. I'm just holding space up there, like arms crossed, not saying anything. I'm not being like a game show host being like, so tell me more about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that make you feel? Like they just do it themselves. Right. And, and then I've been in other instances, like at San Bernardino, California, I was there a week after one of the awful shootings um, at, at the California state, the university. There. Yeah. Um, and like, one of the craziest things that happened there was like someone talked about how it was so hard to get their mother 
talk, I'm going to get emotional just re- re- saying this, but like how they came down and said, like, my big lie is that I'm, I'm holding it all together, but in reality, my mother is homeless. And not mm. only is she homeless, but she's undergoing cancer treatment right now. And every time she has an appointment, I literally have to get in my car and drive three to five hours to find her on the street just so I can hopefully convince her to go to the hospital so we can save her life. Wow. Wild, right? But then yeah. someone in the audience stands up and says, I had to do the exact same thing and tells mm. a story from when they're a little younger from their hometown, their dad was homeless undergoing treatment for, I don't believe it was cancer, but it was, it was I believe maybe MS. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I have a recording of this talk. And, yeah. and they're, so they're telling that story to the person on stage. And we're all just sitting there being like, what are the odds? There's 150 of us in here and there's these two people. Like you, you, you got to share this experience that you think you would only ever have yourself. And that's the point. So there's been literally hundreds of moments like that. I have notebooks full yeah. of these anecdotes. It, yeah. It's crazy how I, I think... As, as just humans, we want to we wanna hold it all in for ourselves. And yeah. because of that, we go through so much more emotion than we would if we were to just let it out and share it with somebody. Like, not to Ooh. solve the problem, but can, can, can I just share it, right? Like, what, can I just be heard? Yeah, that, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's, 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 that's most of the battle. Like, this is the thing, like, I think this is why, like, your question about, like, what's my expertise is really interesting. Like, I've always felt like I had to conform to some sort of box. But if I were just to say it, like, conversationally, I'm really good at getting people to open up. I don't know what it is, but I have, like, a trusting demeanor. I'm a real everyman. I'm kind of fat. Like, I'm not threatening. (laughs) Like, like people are like, okay, this seems like a normal Canadian guy. Like, whatever. He's wearing a, I'm wearing a red plaid shirt right now. Come on. I love it. Trust me, people. Very Canadian. Right? I I wish you guys were in the room right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like, there's a thing about not just like my demeanor, but like the the creative uh, techniques I use to give people the opportunity to share, trusting that they're going to do what's best for them in that moment. Yeah. Mm, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And, and this is something I feel like we don't talk a lot about in the speaking industry and just in this sharing our story is that um, the, the personal side of being the person on the stage. And we always tell our students, your curriculum is your life. That's where you're pulling a yeah. lot of your curriculum and your experience. Sure. How do you feel that you are challenged by your own curriculum and how on the personal side are you making sure that what you are teaching on stage you are then able to live out <laughs> in your life? That's a great question. So mm-hmm. like one of the big, um, one of the topics I do a lot of work on um, is, is managing overwhelm. Uh, that's one of our, like our team's top workshops and I'm often the person that leads it. Um, and how I actually approach that is not showing up as an expert on it, but showing up as a guy that's tried like, 10,000 things and, and one or two work for me and respecting that um, everyone's going to come to the conclusions of what works best from them for Mm -hmm. them themselves um, individually. And what, so what works for someone isn't going to work for someone else, et cetera. So I have found that the best way to do this is to be like, um, I try to keep a very curious beginner's mindset with all this stuff. And I'm very honest about that. And in a weird way, me not being a therapist has actually served me very well because I can kind of bridge from working with therapists every day. And we have therapists that deliver stuff and they're amazing at it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like from being around that every day and now being able to just kind of explain it in more everyday terms, but not be like, and by the way, I'm the therapist and judging your mental health right now. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's, given, it's given an interesting access point because I think audiences kind of connect with it being like, oh, 
I'm kind of like that guy that's like tried a bunch of stuff and one or two things work. And so that's the piece of relatability. Now, if you're someone listening to this and you're sitting on a bunch of doctorates and you're speaking about that exact same topic and you're like the world's leading source on it, fantastic. Like stay in your lane, right? Or don't and shake things up, whatever. But like, that's okay too, to stick with what you know, practice what you preach. But what I will say, um, I've had the bizarre privilege of meeting a lot of my heroes and then most of the time after I meet them, they're not my hero anymore. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people that are practicing, especially in the self-help and wellness world, like a lot of people that are practicing this stuff are not terribly well. They are not yeah. practicing right. what they preach. And, and you can see it and you can feel it. And like, I don't, I'm not going to name any names, but like some people that I'm very close, I have been very close with that have huge platforms um, are d- very disingenuous and are just yeah. caught in the cycle of being that guy. Yeah, we can't we can't be the we can't be the influencers, uh, quote unquote, of the world. But we we got to yeah. walk in that. I think for me, the thing that's been challenging me is to walk in excellence. And yeah. I, you know, maybe maybe yeah. as speakers too, right? It's we don't arrive to like I land, I did that. I I got it. I nailed it. It's in the coffin. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. But but true true leadership and 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 true like i guess embodying what you what you talk about is is that it has to challenge you so we're always going to be challenged by what we talk about like we should never just arrive because if we just arrive to it then we're not challenging ourselves enough 100 percent. and someone that captures this process super well is brene brown if you've ever seen her do any of her talks like she is like she uses that right because she's like she's like on paper i know from research that this should make sense so i tried it out to like make it work and i realized that this is really friggin hard and (laughs) she'll take you through it and you're like oh my god you're humanizing this content that otherwise would be on some academic paper somewhere and i think it's the humanization of like the big idea that's really important in what you just said charles like because it's that that is sort of the missing piece of it that's great man I, i really enjoyed this conversation uh yeah, jordan likewise. this was yes. this was uh, this was definitely going to be my, my top episode this was season. an awesome <laughs> kickoff jordan like the amount of wisdom practical information and the fact that you're hilarious just great balance yeah oh, just, well. just real you know <laughs> yeah. i don't think i've ever been called hilarious so i appreciate <laughs> you that. are but you are remember funny. canadians remember are hilarious with a grain of salt because i have a white hand though, okay yeah. like i, I mean <laughs> And and white guys listening, I don't mean to banish your dreams and hopes, but (laughs) it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, no, thanks guys. This has been a real treat. Um, And honestly, best of luck with the podcast. I'll be listening. Um, Hey, thanks a lot. But before we go, where can we find you? Oh yeah. Uh, The stuff that we do at Shift, I'm really proud of. So like our business uh, website, Shift Collab, you can find us at Shift Collab on every platform. Um, we do a lot like that's our therapy focused company and we do a lot of really cool stuff with that but otherwise you can follow me at Jordan Exani that's A-X-A uh, A-X-A-N-I <laughs> 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 how do I spell my last name again it's been a long day um, yeah so keep in touch I mean if you have any questions after this interview anyone that's listening hit me up and you guys thank you for being you and for like having this is a wicked conversation to be part of um, yeah. so thank I was you. excited to hear other episodes inside of this one You just heard the first episode to the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, do us a favor. Leave a review. Head to Apple and put something special in there because your voice really does matter with these podcasts. It allows us to get seen by people 
who are looking to find their voice, develop their message, and get consistently paid speaking gigs. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button because we're coming with more episodes and you want to be the first to know. So I'll see you guys soon.